0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling Wrong codes and fraud. You can even have Healthlock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, Healthlock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit Healthlock.com today. That's Healthlock.com today.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On
0: strike,
3: shut it down.
0: New York is
3: a union town. On strike, shut it
0: down. New York is a union town. All straight, shut straight it down. down! New York
4: is union town! straight, shut straight,
3: it down! down. New York is union town! Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guests are my colleagues, Variety's crack team of television and digital reporters and editors on the ground in New York. This team is always working around the clock, but they never work harder than they do during Upfront Week. That is the mid-May frame, when the largest media conglomerates present their programming plans for the upcoming season. Even as I say that, it sounds anachronistic for the way TV works now. But the Upfronts are a Hi, how are ya? FaceTime tradition for the television business and the advertising industry. And I think that's still gonna be a hard habit to quit in the coming years. The 2023 marked an upfronts week like no other, as you'll hear in audio clips taken from various events that are woven into this podcast. Writers Guild of America pickets were out in force, making their voices heard as the labor dispute rages on. Behind the velvet rope, there were plenty of other signs of the industry's difficult transition from linear to streaming. So let's dive into our roundtable discussion with varieties Jennifer Maas, Joe Otterson, Todd Spangler, and Brian Steinberg. They have highlights and insights from Disney, Netflix, NBC Universal, Fox, YouTube, and more. Don't even think about touching that dial. We'll be right back with all of that after
0: this break.
3: so here we are on friday may 19th with the new york brain trust of varieties television coverage thank you all for the this is Variety's tv avengers tv and digital avengers and i thank you all for assembling on a friday when you probably just want to lie flat and recover after a week of upfronts in all its glory um so thank you todd brian joe jenny Let's I throw this out as a jump ball for anybody who wants to grab it. I am very keenly watching the NBA playoffs. Go Lakers and um, jump ball for anybody who wants to take it. This was an upfront year like no other. What was the mood out there in Midtown around the events around, you know, inside and outside?
5: Well, I would say it's it's a much more that the business is changing very quickly. And the days of wine and roses are probably over. Uh, These used to be very glitzy events where you could, uh, you know, sit for three hours, you know, listen to every every. They used to fly in every celebrity from every show for a personal meet and greet, and uh, you was able to serve you shrimp and lobster to your heart's content. And afterwards, the parties are fading away, the glitz is fading away because the entire business is being driven not by linear TV schedules but by digital streaming and concerns about. How to get bigger audiences. These, you know, the advertisers who buy TV want to get big audiences so they can reach thousands of people in one swoop. We don't have to spend X number of dollars to get one person here and one person there. The big things that do that these days are sports, live spectacles, and some streaming stuff. But the idea that a drama is gonna, you know, at 10 o'clock it's gonna do that for you anymore is kind of gone. And so that's kind of what the networks have produced for years: dramas and comedies from eight to eleven. Now, prime time is anyone's prime time. My prime time might be one in the morning when when I have nothing to do, versus my my kids' prime time might be five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, The networks have to adjust, and they are doing so by focusing more on streaming, more on algorithms, more on software, more on technology that helps pinpoint where your commercial should go. Some of the creativity is coming out of that, and it's all about science and technology, and uh, as such, it's not as exciting as it used to be, I would say.
6: Yeah, right. I would say that. Um, that it was, de- you know, in my in my own limited experience, um, it was definitely more subdued than in years past. Um, it definitely seemed like people were almost holding their breath. I mean, just again with everything happening with the writers' strike and like you know, even though, th- like Brian said, like you know, the fall schedule isn't necessarily the key component that it used to be. But I think there was a lot of people kind of wondering. It's like, well what's what where are we going to be in in three months and six months what is this going to look like and there just wasn't a lot of certainty around anything it's like of course there's going to be you can have certainty around sports you can have certainty around your unscripted programming but it's just that's not you know like you said that's not the that's not the glitzy stuff that people really like you know really want to see i feel like you know there was a lot of really good response to some of the sports stars and people who came out but it's just, you know, it wasn't quite as fun as when you have like actors and comedians kind of out there like working the crowd and kind of having fun with it. So I think there was definitely a, a, the energy level was down compared to past years.
5: Mm-hmm. I mean, two of two of Fox's shows, they showed them that dramas had no clips and no cast attached. Just like <laughs> little montage, just a little video montages. It, could, it should feel like this. Here's a feel for it. But
3: you I, trust us. It's going to be great. <laughs>
5: that's not I'm how you, for Doc. That's and not how you get Procter & Gamble to buy your show.
1: <laughs> but Brian, you're saying that even before the strike, you know, this season, the the glitzy shrimp cocktail festivities have been on a decline.
5: Well, Paramount pulled out before the strike happens. So, I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's I. I think I think let, this started last year where I think the shows are less important than the technology. They need to serve commercials. You know, they serve ads. It's not it used to be, You know, advertising was all about you know. Crazy spokespeople and funny spokes characters and jingles and you know big stunts and they're still there, but it's just it's not a, it's really about finding the right placement for your ad within with it where with digital audiences and interactive technology.
7: This year, obviously with the strike, it was different, but it seemed like early in the week. They were very heavy with the picket lines. The first and biggest picket line of the week was NBC Universal. It was the most high profile. It was out of uh, out front of Radio City. There were about 200 people. They had some chants that were catchy and went with NBCU. Um, and then it kind of noticed that it would get smaller throughout the week as it went on. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that isn't necessarily... That the passion died off or like people. But what happened is the focus has gone from just like trying to make a statement in front of advertisers. They're shutting down a lot of productions and you can't shut down a production from outside of an upfront. You can make a statement and be in front of advertisers and be in front of cameras. But if a lot of the focus is actually on making these companies hurt when they're just kind of trying to do their best to ignore you outside the upfront, the way you're actually attacking them and and getting at them is shutting down these productions. So I think they were doing a good job of actually putting their resources towards where it was going to make the biggest difference. So the strike was still there. The picket lines were definitely there, but it got smaller throughout the weekend.
3: I also want to ask you in terms of the mood, the truly the mood, like after the event, of course, the upfronts are an enormous amount of work for people. It's exhausting leading up to it and afterwards. But what would you say the executives, your contacts and the people, executives, producers, what was the mood? I I, got to believe, you know, it's kind of similarly unsettled.
6: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so I, for the, again, without naming any names, I mean, the few people that I spoke with, I mean, they, they almost just kind of seemed to be glad that, that they were done with everything. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we, we kind of have to, to be here for this. And again, not saying specific companies or this happened to specific people, but just, it was very much, they, they were very worried more. So like, it was almost like, we're glad we got through this without anything worse happening than like, you know, like you didn't have like WGA members trying to storm the stage or something. I think they were just worried there's going to be some kind of big, embarrassing public spectacle with their name attached to it, which obviously, right. you know, like the thing people fear most is a bad headline.
7: Talking to people after they'd be like, we did it. We got through it. We we <laughs> finished the presentation that probably didn't have a lot of talent in it. That was very... Sports are news focused, as Brian said, and and just going through it and being like, we hit the beast that we need to hit. It's over now, and we can go to the party, or we can we did we checked off the box, we did the presentation, we got it done, and and now that's over. Thank God that that seemed yeah. to be the opinion of a lot of different people.
6: Or if you're Fox, you can just reopen the bar because they had the bar open, <laughs> then the presentation, then they reopened the bar afterwards. <laughs> so it was a nice, nice little mix there.
3: The they bar- know that, they know their audience. Yeah. yeah. Todd, we're talking obviously mostly about this past upfront week, the week of May 15th, but I know you ventured out into the new fronts a number of times as did a couple of you. What would you say um uh what would you say was the mood there and what would how would you what was your impressions from what you gathered of the of the 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 traditional broadcast upfronts which of course include a lot more platforms now. Yeah, the
1: the New Fronts, boy, they've really tried to make a go of it. It's it's just really been the uh the the redheaded stepchild of the of the upfronts big brother. So, you know, this this year YouTube did a small presentation at the new fronts um <clears throat> earlier this month, but they uh for the second year in a row wanted to be part of the TV upfront week. So they uh, you know, had their event at Lincoln Center, David Giffen Hall, on Wednesday. Um, by the way, I was looking for, for uh, writers, strikers, no picket line, nobody in sight, because YouTube creators aren't unionized. Um, mm. I, I mean, maybe some of them are, and there have been attempts to have, you know, internet creator unions, um, but those those, as far as I know, haven't really gone anywhere. But um, the U- YouTube is is an outlier in this group. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even compared with Netflix, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about Netflix in a second, but YouTube doesn't really produce content. Um, they rely on their creators. I mean, they did have kind of a traditional um, feeling upfront thing because Roger Goodell walked out on stage and Bum, said, ba, hey, ba, ba.
3: I'm going yeah. to NFL fanfare.
1: And um, you know, he said his candor remarks and um, you know, tried to get people excited about not just buying ads in Sunday ticket, but um in in the live NFL games. But, you know, the pitch from YouTube is you can buy um football, uh, you know, in in all of these different channels, right? On on YouTube creators who they're gonna send, you know, they're sending Mr. Beast into the locker room of, of some of these uh, NFL teams too. And he's got 153 million followers. So um,
3: I hope they tell the
1: players. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing to me, the takeaway that I had from YouTube was like, it's like YouTube. I mean, YouTube is like TV used to be, they have this tremendous reach. They have 150 million viewers. Well, that was in the month of December. Who knows how long they're watching. Or what they're watching. Um, because you know, it's not really directly comparable to Nielsen TV ratings. But here's YouTube saying, look, we've got every kind of content um that people want to watch. And that includes, you know, the YouTube TV traditional pay TV package. It, mm-hmm. Oh, hey, advertisers, you can also buy that inventory with us. And you know that's clean and that's a well-lighted space. And we're gonna sell you the top five percent most engaged most viewed content on youtube and um um and it's and you're getting the reach and frequency that you used to get on broadcast tv way back in the day
3: mm-hmm. but that is an interesting packaging those two things like the old guard of old linear you know basically linear cable but delivered virtually <laughs> Well, that segues into kind of my next to my next sort of theme that I wanted to talk about: the sell. Did anybody? We don't have to go net. We don't have to go upfront by upfront, but just your impressions. Did anybody impress you in terms of how they sold themselves? How they either sold their wares or talked to advertisers about? And they all have. They all come up with. Here's our new program that has a clever name, and you know. But was there anybody that just impressed you at like? How they packaged themselves, how they sold. Here's our profile. Here's our audience. Here's what this network goes for versus that network.
5: I, mean, I thought Disney probably did the best job. They just out of the park hit sports. You want big audiences? Here they are. Here's Peyton Manning. Here's Serena Williams. Here's Monday Night Football. Super Bowls coming in 2027. Then they segued into scripted, but everything that was scripted was, 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 was with a streaming outlet. So FX's shows on Hulu and Here's Marvel and here's Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. So even, even their, their descriptive stuff had a streaming component. So I, I think they hit sports news, even a, a segment on a local station, which I think is very unusual for the upfront. They had the New York WABC anchors come out for a a, a spot, which I think is almost unheard of at the upfront, to have lo- the, the local anchor talk for a while. Um, I thought Disney, but Disney I think Disney knows this is what's selling right now: big audiences, and then precise stuff through streaming. We don't need to talk about ABC or Freeform or or FX. Let's just get them what they want, which is audiences, big big audiences, and then precision to follow.
1: And I you got to think that Netflix, for all their protests, are going to have to look at sports at some point.
4: Yeah, for, for well,
1: exactly what you just said.
0: We'll get all the
4: don't
3: (laughs) Don't even think about touching that dial. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more
7: at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
3: Hope that pause was refreshing. And now back to Variety's Upfronts Roundtable. Jenny and Joe, what impressed you? You guys know, you guys are so finger on the pulse of these fandoms. Do you think anything impressed you there? Like any, any new potential? Anybody impress you as like they get their fandoms, they know how to talk to their fandoms?
6: Well, I I think it's like Brian said. I mean, I think Disney did the best job just in terms of spectacle at this sort of a thing. I mean, like you said, they had Serena Williams, they had Peyton Manning, they had, you know, DeMar Hamlin came out to a standing ovation, which I've never seen in an upfront before. Go Uh, Bills yeah (laughs) but then um just but then since there wasn't really much scripted content to talk about given everything going on with the strike the fact that they were able to bring out kevin feige kathleen kennedy to come talk about big upcoming marvel shows like secret invasion big upcoming star wars shows like skeleton crew like the acolyte and then the the one that really got me was um they had this incredible presentation for the fx show shogun based on the book that's been that you know that's a passion project of John Landgrass that's been in the work at that network since 2018. Um, and then they they just had this huge thing with all these performers coming out in like full samurai armor, having like this big mock sword battle going up through the aisleways onto the stage. And I mean, it's Disney. I mean, so they can they can kind of afford to do something like that. But I mean, no one else came close in terms of the spectacle for something like that i mean because i mean again like i have a pretty good sense of like what's happening like what's coming out in tv at any given time i had completely forgotten about shogun you know and now i'm like oh yeah i should check that show out when it comes out that was pretty cool <laughs> but then I mean, that's, um, a,
5: that's the kind of thing upfronts were used to be known for how spectacle this is why you buy with us you know these are the experiences that that, that everyone wants to hear about we we take to different worlds, and i think disney had it but many others
1: did not do you think Netflix would have been more in, interesting and impressive in person? I do, especially for their first time. I yeah. think
5: the other networks you can you kind of know what you're going to get with some of these with Fox and ABC, but Netflix. I think the in person would have helped them, especially they have the Russo brothers and they have some very big projects coming out. They have a lot in the can that that is probably their their edge against the networks, who are, are all worried about how much the, kind of has to everything everything runs out. Netflix has got a ton in the offing, Stranger Things finale. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there, and I think uh, up up close and personal with the buyers might have done more for them this
7: year. Well, one thing that I think earners did do that that Disney did too, and you know, not to continue to talk about Disney, but I appreciate the moments where they banked what they did have as news to give as news, right? So, like Joe said, having Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy be able to come out and announce premiere dates or announce. Um, things in show first looks. Warner Brothers Discovery had a decent number of announcements, too. They have two Food Network shows with Selena Gomez. That's something splashy that you can announce there. Um, And not everyone had a lot in the way of um, big announcements to make, like Fox. Fox got to say it's losing 911. But apart from that, you know, there weren't a lot of big moments. One thing I'll say, and this needs like a giant asterisk next to it because it wasn't an upfront But the CW really impressed me. And it could be because it was Thursday and I was tired by the end of the week. But (laughs) it was an exciting one to go to because so many people had the question of what is the CW? And we've been waiting so long to hear Dennis Miller and Brad Schwartz actually sit down in front of press and answer questions about what they're going to be. And Joan and I had the privilege of, of sitting down with them privately afterwards and talking to them. And I left that feeling like pretty impressed that they do have um, a plan and that it's not apparent immediately because they, like everyone else, have a very strike-proof false schedule that's very acquisition heavy. Um, but they're in production on a lot of things and they have a lot of stuff in development. I'm not going to say any of it because my colleague is now tracking it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, they did make me feel like we we've all been kind of wondering what they're doing. We still give them a hard time, but they have a strategy and they have a
6: plan like Jenny said, I mean, I left that presentation thinking like, you know, this actually in terms of delivering a profit, you know, to shareholders and like, ma- and like actually making this thing successful in the traditional sense of a business, this actually does make a lot of sense. And then you just have to see where they take it beyond this. I mean, you know, obviously the writer strike is impacting everything, you know, and Brad Schwartz had this great line where he says, you know, people keep people keep knocking us for the, these cheap acquisitions. And he's like, first of all, these are not cheap acquisitions. <laughs> Second of all, a good show is a good show. I mean, if it airs. On, if it aired in Canada prior to this, what's the difference? If it's a good show and people watch it, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be putting stuff like that on the air. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely left that more, more impressed than I thought I would be. But like Jenny said, it was also Thursday. My brain was basically mush, and they served us waffles.
3: There is a whole world of television stations that is sometimes gets very much lost in the in talking about global streaming platforms and all of our focus on network. A lot of the actual cold, hard cash that is made in television comes through local stations. And I think Nextstar is a company I've been waiting for them to sort of, you know, we keep waiting for the magical, like, what is the bigger thing that you're doing with this platform? I'm starting to realize that what the bigger thing that they're doing with this platform is running, they're, they're doubling down in the old-fashioned business. They're running local and national network pro you know their 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 business is a balance of local television and national network programming
7: not to go off on a different tangent but Casey blois um was one of the few executives who did make a statement about the writer's strike like on stage and was like made a note of that um Mark Lazarus did it at NBCU as well and there, not everyone did bring it up not everyone talked about it but Um, The people who did, I also felt like that was good overall strategy to acknowledge it in some way and move forward. Um, Because if you didn't, it kind of made it more awkward because it was one of the beats that all of us, at least as journalists, were waiting for in the room. And then if it didn't happen, it was weird. Um, But yeah, Warner's Discovery, I think using it because there wasn't as much Mm -hmm. you could do right now to wow people to kind of shift the focus to max, which isn't a giant ad driver for them but is very timely for them was a good use of what could have otherwise mm-hmm. been a very lame presentation because there's not as much to talk about.
3: No, smart. Tom?
7: I'll,
1: I'll weigh in. Yeah. I thought um, maybe because my expectations were pretty low, but I thought Netflix did a pretty good job. Um, I mean, Jenny identified immediately that they had, they had queued up this Sort of TV style fall announcement. Here mm-hmm. are some of your favorite shows yeah. that are coming back in the <laughs> coming fall. this fall, <laughs> right? And I mean, even though you know, again, as we've been talking about, they don't sell a times they don't sell time slots. They're selling. They they're not selling dayparts. Um, you know, they're and they had this really interesting. Um, I mean, it's unique where they they will sell you on a day to day basis on a country by country basis. The top ten titles in each of those markets that's super interesting and that's something tv networks can't really do right they can't say okay you're gonna get the top 10 shows that are on today Uh, that's just not how traditional tv works so i thought it was really interesting and then you know sarandas and and the other executives talked about you know they did a little bit of crystal balling and and a little bit of uh you know in the tech business, you call it vaporware. It's not, it's not real. But um, you know, Sarandis, maybe ryan Brian, you could talk a little bit about it, but but he had this notion of like a 30-minute or an hour-long commercial that would follow the individual viewer across the different things they watch over the course of several days or a week. So that you know it's this kind of really interesting idea of narrative advertising storytelling. Mm. So I thought they exceeded expectations. Maybe that's the way to put it.
3: It sounds like they used the time to really showcase. Okay, here's here here we're Netflix. Here's how we're different. Yeah, I can't even imagine thinking about the 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 human and machine learning that it's going to take to like monitor all those. You know, advertising is about verification. Oh my God! At least at least there's some jobs coming, Brian. Well, what...
1: then they're working with Microsoft. So yeah. th- that's one right. of the other questions about you know, for the, for the business, when do they have to, you know, bring that technology in house? Um, cause, and, and that dilutes, you know, any earnings they're getting from ad, advertising because they have to split it with Microsoft as their partner. The, um, the one other thing, you know, so it's baby steps for Netflix, right? But in this in six months, it was interesting to see how fully formed the story is at this point. And, right. You know, not quite 5 million subscribers i mean that's in advertising terms not very big you know call it three and a half million in the united states is that going to turn people's heads no but you know they're the biggest streaming service in the world and so people wanted
6: to see what they had to say and where they're headed i was hoping to duck out without you asking me um no i think um in terms of what impressed me the most i mean i still have to i hate to say it but not hate to say it. i shouldn't say that but i mean disney i think was Mm -hmm. the best just because i mean they they've been around for so long they're this massive legacy company they have an incredible breadth of content like i said they were really the only ones to have any big like scripted content like spectacle to share with anybody i think they did it i think they, they really you know hit the nail on the head with that one um in terms of other people um I think NBCU struggled a little bit in my mind simply because I still think they're still struggling to define what the brand of Peacock is as a service because, you know, they, they showcase some of their new things. Like they had this Twisted Metal show coming out with Anthony Mackie pretty soon. They have some other things that have launched, but just haven't really seemed to connect in a, in a deeper cultural way. And I mean, it seems to me at least that, you know, the most popular show on Peacock is not an NBCU show. It's Yellowstone. Which is obviously, you know, it's a Paramount <laughs> show. So I still think they're struggling to kind of make audiences take that one as seriously. And I was also very surprised to me, you know, given the, obviously, you know, I guess they have the the rights deals are coming up, but they didn't feature any WWE talent really in the NBCU presentation, which surprised me just because it's such a, it's such a huge part of the Peacock offering that they have this massive, you know, WWE library to share. So I was a little surprised by that. Um, I think and I the was, WWE I,
3: folks are always so colorful, you know, they add, yeah. they add a little
6: sizzle. Exactly. I mean, you have somebody come out, get put through a table. Everybody claps. I mean, what's not to love about that? But um, I, I did think I, I agree with Jenny about Warner Discovery. I think they definitely did a did a good job about kind of showcasing what they have coming, especially with the rebrand of HBO Max to Max. I will close by thanking
3: you. First of all, thank you for your impressions. You all being in the trenches are are invaluable. I will just close by saying that I am old enough to remember begging my parents to let me stay up to watch the original Shogun because that was the chatter on the playground. Richard Chamberlain owned I, I, the miniseries business back then.
6: Owned I, 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 I was not allowed to were, watch it. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you begged your parents to go to your first upfront.
3: listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. Please go to variety.com and sign up for the free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.